Good evening. It's wonderful to have all of you here tonight. You know, science is all about discovery. But you know, some discoveries are more significant than others. You know, there's, there's antimatter, for example. Yeah, it's a real thing. Some of you thought it was just on Star Trek, right? That's <laughs> some of you thought, but. Uh, and then there's uh, dark matter. You know, of course, we're still discovering what that really is, but uh, that's something that's out there. But then there was the discovery of doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a substance that seems to have no effect on the universe whatsoever. <laughs> so like I said, some are more significant than others. But <laughs> well, it's time to turn the time over to someone whose discoveries are always significant. It's Dr. John with the Technology Spotlight. The doctors couldn't save him. There was no hope until finally they brought in the syringe and gave him a shot of robots. And the robots went and they surrounded the tumor and he was cured. And here I am, right? <laughs> well, actually, that's a fictional story, but it's the kind of thing that the breakthrough we're going to talk about tonight might make happen. I want to show you a new kind of robot. This little teeny robot is just that. It's tiny. In fact, it's 40 microns across in the widest part, which means that it's a fraction of a human hair depending on the human hair. Some human hairs are about the same size, but some are <laughs> twice as big, so you know, a lot of variants. But that's amazing. That's tiny, almost impossible for you to see without some microscope or something. And um, the, right now, it can't carry its own battery. Of course, it's really teensy tiny. So on the top there, they have little, you could say they're little solar panels, little photovoltaics. And uh, when they shoot one of those with a laser, powers the robot's little teeny legs and they move. And so even though these robots are tiny, 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 they can actually walk around. Pretty amazing. And uh, that's small enough that it, they can actually fit into a syringe. And so they could potentially be injected into a patient. And that's one of the applications they're hoping they'll be able to use them for. Um, but that's not the neatest part. <laughs> the neatest part is how they manufactured these robots. They used the same processes that we use to make computer chips, which means they can make millions all at once. In fact, for a four-inch die, they can make over a million robots all at the same time. So uh, that's a lot. The thing that's amazing about that is the cost goes down. Even though this is a development project, they're making new robots for the first time, they estimated that each robot cost a fraction of a cent, less than a penny for each robot. That's amazing because of the volume that they're making. I want to show you a video of the robots coming out of the process where they dissolve the material holding them to the wafer and they uh, are able to stand up. So um, you can see all those little bumps there and then as they start to dissolve, they start to become free and watch their legs as they come out. There it goes. See them stand up? 
They're ready to go. <laughs> Release the robots, right? <laughs> yeah, but these are teensy tiny. This is a microscope we're looking at here. And because they're so small, they're actually surprisingly durable. So they can uh, suck them up into a syringe. Watch this. Put the syringe in there. In they go, <laughs> like the vacuum, right? And the researchers successfully put them into a syringe like that and then injected them into something and they could see that they still functioned. Remember, these are about the same size as some single cell organisms. They're teensy, tiny, tiny. Pretty amazing stuff, isn't it? And one of the big breakthroughs was the moving legs. How do you make moving legs that teensy that actually work? And they're actually relatively efficient with how much power they take to move. And they used a thin, thin piece of titanium and platinum. Most of the leg is platinum, and then there's an edge that's titanium. And when they apply a voltage to that platinum, it expands slightly, and the titanium doesn't, and that causes the leg to move. I want to show you a little video of one of these robots walking around. Now, again, this is in a microscope. This thing's teensy tiny. And see him moving there? If you look carefully, you can see the laser light turning on and off on the different photovoltaics there. <laughs> and I, okay, I have to confess, this video sped up eight times. <laughs> so it's not really walking quite that fast, but still amazing that they could do that. So now the researchers are working on uh, putting more electronics into the robot. Remember, uh, this is basically just uh, photovoltaic and these legs and no computer stuff at all. But since it's made the same way that we make computer chips, it won't be that hard to put, say, a processor on there, maybe a teeny bit of memory or whatever they need to make it function. And um, there are other ideas on how we could power it too, maybe wirelessly. So the idea of injecting someone with teensy tiny robots isn't that far-fetched anymore. It's pretty amazing stuff. That's all the tech we have the time for. <laughs> now it's time for Breakthroughs in Science with Tobias. All right, well, I want to show you a slide of who we're talking about tonight. That's right. <laughs> start getting nervous. That's right, we're talking about you. Okay, and to start us off, I have a very personal question. Okay, how secure are your passwords? Mm -hmm. Mine's so secure because I used the word mom. It's so simple, so nobody would guess it. And every other month, I double the safety by changing it to mom spelt backwards, <laughs> okay? Now, passwords are, are an important thing that we need to make sure are secure, okay? But now there's other things that we can use to identify ourselves, things like fingerprints, okay? And that's what we're talking about, your thumb, okay? Fingerprints, and how, how could something that pretty much has been around as long as mankind's been around be used to unlock very sensitive, you know, kinds of security uh, protections and being able to identify me that it's me, my thumb. 
it's my thumb. Why not my elbow? <laughs> okay. Why is it that we can use our fingerprints to do something like that? Well, we have to jump way back to when the first known time was that somebody thought of using a fingerprint as a way of identification. This was like 200 BC in China. And they were doing signing documents with fingers. Now, obviously, it wasn't too you know, sophisticated or you know, it was probably just, oh, it's got his thumb at the bottom, so it must be him. Um, it was probably more like the emperor just got tired of signing papers. They were like, your majesty, these scrolls are ready for your signature. I'll just use my thumb. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then later, hundreds of years later, people started to really study what are these patterns on our fingertips. And in the 1700s, a man named Johann Mayer started to do a lot more research, and he concluded that there are no two fingerprints the same. If you look at those special thumbs of yours, they are special because nobody's got fingerprints like those fingerprints. Nobody has and nobody will. This is really special. <laughs> um, and he also concluded, and others would make this conclusion as well, that they are the same when you're born and they'll stay the same as when you die. They, they don't like morph over time. In fact, we would later find out that your fingerprints are created before you're born, okay, in the embryo. And, you know, it's pretty amazing when you study, the fi why do we even have those things? Uh, um, bones don't come with us, you know, we don't need them for thumbs. Well, it was to be like geckos, basically, okay? Geckos can grab things, they can climb the walls. We can't do that, maybe. But we can grab things and have a lot more grip because of our fingerprints. But the fact that they're so unique individually is a pretty amazing thing. So as we start coming into the age of computers, we start looking at it from the point of view of could we use this unique thumbprint as a way to prove that it is you. So we need a way to tell the computer what it is, to show it to the computer, to isolate it. And it turns out there's different kinds here we go. There's different kinds of fingerprints. So if you look at these, there's like, there's arcs, there's tented arcs, there's whirls, there's loops, okay? We could just say loopy, swirly, whirly, and curvy, okay? <laughs> and and it, depending on what kind you have, is it a big deal? Maybe. Some people are like, yeah, if you've got a loop, that's a really special. In <laughs> fact, those people are gifted. And Actually, that's a... That's a whirl. Whirls are very special. <laughs> um, <coughs> but we started to see there were certain things like there's points of the, those spirals. They call them uh, ridges. Okay, you've got ridges and valleys. There's points where those ridges would connect or they would just end. And those points, they realized they could use to analyze the diversity or the, the thing about this thumbprint that was unique. Okay? So we needed a way to look at that, to get it to the computer. We, we could take a picture, okay? They created an optical fingerprint scanner, but how do you get just the ridges instead of everything if you take a picture? Well, what they created was this optical fingerprint reader with a prism inside, and they would shoot a light from an angle, and it would hit that flat part of the prism, and then it would bounce back down. And when you take your thumb and you put it on that flat piece of the prism, only the ridges touch it, and those points are lit up, and so only those parts of the thumb 
are seen by the computer, and they're able to pull an image from that. And so this was some of the early ways that they started using fingerprint scanners. And then they kind of took it to the next level. So here's, here's an example type image that they have that they pull. And then here's those points where different ridges meet. Now, depending on how many points you make the computer find and analyze is how secure you know, this system is. Okay, if you look for one point, that's not gonna be very safe. But the more points, the more secure this system is going to be. But then we go into, how do we get that in a phone? You can't really have that huge prism system inside a phone. And that's when they looked at a new way to take a fingerprint scan. And basically, it's similar to how a touchscreen works. They call it the capacitive fingerprint scanner. And it's these tiny, tiny, tiny conductors, smaller than those ridges, okay? So your ridge is thicker, any of your ridges are thicker than those points on that tiny, tiny uh, capacitive uh, fingerprint scanner. And when you put your thumb or finger on it, those ridges touch the conductors, some of them, and it conducts. And it uses that information to take that fingerprint and process it. And it actually becomes a much more accurate way to do it. Um, and they can do a lot more. They have a lot of fancy stuff that we're not going into right now. But this allowed us to all of the sudden do it in a tiny, tiny container like a phone. And, you know, being able to just take your thumb and go and unlock your phone or your toe, <laughs> if you're, you know, please, that's a bad idea. Let's not do that. Um, and now they even have taken that a step further and they have, you know, if you have some of the fancy phones, you don't even need a finger. You just use your face, right? Of course, those don't work anymore because every time we're at the store, we just look like this. Okay, all right. And then we're all miffed because <laughs> today I was at the store, I had to enter my password on my phone. I felt like a caveman, okay? <laughs> but being able to take something that's uniquely tied to you and use it as an identification that's so secure, it's still being used today. A pretty amazing process. And you know, all something, it's been sitting there all this time. But you know, so all I have to say is next time you're sitting there and you're like, man, I'm not so special. Just look in the mirror and go, yeah, you are. <laughs> Two thumbs up. If you have to, get those toes out too, okay? Thank you. <laughs> All right, and now introducing Roger Billings. today, don't we? Yep, a lot of people are starting school with Acellos for the very first time. We want to welcome you. Thank You're you. in for a real exciting adventure, aren't they? Yeah. Then we got all of the veterans who've been going to school for a long time. We're really smart, right? That's right. Well, it's good to welcome all of you here, and we'll kind of have a little bit of a back-to-school talk tonight, if that's okay with you. Got a lot of things to talk about. Mm -hmm. I want to start off by showing you this electronic module. Now it's not teensy tiny like Dr. John's thing, but it's pretty small. This is a 
two terabyte memory modules. Oh, yeah. And um, some of you are very angry at this. What, angry? Yeah, anger. <laughs> yeah. Could you do that one more time? You know, as, as we saw a lot of people uh, enrolling in the cellus all of a sudden, um, I decided we better get ready. Mm -hmm. And so we build the servers that store all of your student data. And we have these servers in four different locations. In fact, the building we're in has one of the data centers that house the information. Four locations so that if anything happens to that location, this one will be ready. If anything happens this one, then that one, and, and it goes on through. Well, we built 48 new servers to get ready for school about three, three and a half weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And we put those new servers in because we just wanted to make sure we had plenty of capacity. And then we found out that our supplier shipped us 37 bad new memory modules. No way. And some of you probably noticed that for a few days. <clears throat> they did get angry. Uh, respectfully Res angry. Respectfully of angry. Yeah. <laughs> some of you got bumped off. Bumped off. And yeah. I just want to apologize to any of you that had inconveniences. Oh. Uh, we were trying very hard to make sure that didn't happen. In fact, we've been very proud in Acellus that we've been able to be up essentially all the time. And so we had to really fight this. And it was a hard problem to find because of the way that it failed, none of our diagnostics picked up on it. We had to get our, our brainiest brains working on this. <laughs> and we found it and we've been up running really good ever since and we're really grateful. And we are now building 150 new servers, wow. which is a major, major expansion that will be coming on a little bit later this month. So Huge. we're going to try to stay ahead of it. But it's, it's a challenge when things explode so fast. And so please bear with us. Uh, <laughs> we had uh, 948 new students sign up yesterday for our, our school for our, our power homeschool, uh, which is a lot, uh, especially for one day. And, and we're seeing these kinds of things happen. So it is exciting. The support team here have been working very, very hard. Bless you. I'm so grateful for the effort you're making. And I, I think it's wonderful that Acellus is working out so well for many students. But what I want to do tonight is I'd like to jump in and share with you a little bit of what you can expect for Acellus or from Acellus as you get into your studies. Some of you already know a lot of this, but I think I've got some new information for you that you'll find interesting. And one of my goals is to make sure you know how to use Acellus most effectively. Uh, we've gone to a lot of work to make it as effective as we possibly knew how. And we're going to go to a lot more work to make it better as we go forward, too. So there are some pretty exciting things to talk about. So this is how Acellus works. First of all, we go out and we find absolutely the most wonderful educators we can find anywhere in America. And we, we find them by talking to uh, superintendents. We have about 6,000 schools using Acellus. And we ask all of them. 
please send us videos of your most amazing teachers teaching every subject. And then we have our committee that looks at all those videos and picks out the best of the best. Then we fly them here to the Billings Tower in Kansas City, right by the Kansas City Airport, where we have amazing state-of-the-art filming studios. We film the teachers teaching the different lessons. And then these are presented to you over the network, over the internet. And it, it's, you know, the great, great, great teachers of this planet have always been able to teach. Teachers are the secret to so much of our success. And you, you can probably suppose that if a person got into teaching, they're probably a really good person because they, they don't necessarily do that because they think they might get rich. Uh, they do it because they care and they think they can make a difference. And I think that's true of the whole community of teachers. But some people have the special gift of being able to teach on camera. And that's a, that's a whole different deal. Uh, when you have your students right there and you say, okay, okay, that's one way to teach. But when your students are hiding through a lens across the internet, maybe clear on the other end of the country, then it's a whole different thing to try to reach them. And so that's why we've developed uh, these wonderful techniques of filming, and that's why we have to get teachers that are almost movie stars, too, to be able to bring them on. And uh, we've got a lot of teachers that have taught us all those courses. We, we have a lot of courses. Interestingly, when we publish a course, that means we get it all edited and ready, and we put it out for students to start using it, and students start using it, we start finding out that some people relate to students differently than other people. And quite often different personalities will have different opinions, but we try to make our courses absolutely as, as great and wonderful as we can. And I, I think people that use Solus kind of understand that. So you watch the lesson and then you get some problems to see whether or not you understood it, okay? But there is so much going on under the hood of a solace. And I want to tell you a little bit about that and how to take advantage of it. First of all, we got to start with the premise. Knowledge is very, very important to your futures. Knowledge is, empowers you to do things. It empowers you to get a good job. It empowers you to be able to do a good job at your job so that you're even more viable when you get a raise. A knowledge, which is the product of a good education, opens many, 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 many doors. And so you need to realize that you go to school to empower yourself. It's like investing in yourself. And knowledge you put in your brains is like money you'd store in your bank account. It's an asset that will come back to you and will pay many, many times. Well, now. Uh, I want to get into some of the things that you should understand. First of all, a CELUS is a very, very, very different learning system. It's very smart. It studies how you proceed or, or move through the course best. And every student's different. No two people get exactly the same course from a CELUS. And you know, if, if you kind of know the material, if it's really easy for you, if you're not challenged, well then a cellist will go through it quickly so that you don't spend a lot of time on things you don't know. 
if you get to a lesson that you struggle with, then it slows down and you spend more time. It's really important that every one of you are in what we call the success zone. That means you're succeeding in your course. If you find out that you get into a class in a cellus that you can't handle, you're just not getting it, you're not learning the material, you don't understand what the teacher is saying, don't let us leave you there. You're, you're not using your time effectively. And what we've learned, and we've learned it over and over and over again, we've learned that if you're not ready for this course, it's because you haven't had the preparatory material or you haven't mastered it. So quite often we'll take a student and we'll say, okay, let's back up and do a preparation course to get you ready for this. And some students struggle even in the preparatory course. Then we move them back to an even more basic preparatory course. And we keep moving them until they find their level. And it's not the level of whether they're smart or not. It's not it at all. It's the level of how much they've learned before they started a cellist. Once we find it and you start having success, you'll be amazed how fast you'll go forward. Now, in our public schools, we have students that come in and it's really important in public schools that if you're in the fifth grade, that you're taking fifth grade courses. That's, that's kind of a requirement for funding from, from most states. But what we've discovered is that if you're in fifth grade, but you haven't mastered the fourth grade material, and you haven't even mastered the third grade material, it's better to put you back in the earlier material, let you master it, then the fourth grade, and the fifth grade, and interesting, interestingly, in one school year, you can get more done going back and then doing fifth grade than if you just sit there and get discouraged because you just keep trying and you can't get it. So it's important, and uh, if any of your parents are listening, we want to make sure they know that it's very important when a new student starts using a cellus and they're not in the classroom with their teacher, but they're over a distance, they need to have a good experience. They need to get confidence that they can learn and succeed in this environment. Usually if they have any problem or questions, raise their hand and the teacher says, what? But when you're clear across the nation, it's a little harder to feel like the help's there. Now, uh, something you ought to realize is that when you have students all over on different time zones, that there's not always going to be your teacher right there waiting for you. We have teachers, and they're wonderful, and they're dedicated, but we don't know what time you're going to do your courseware. In fact, we have some guys that do it real early, and we have others that do it even in, in the nighttime. And so we built the system so that it'll bring the teacher support to you whenever you need it. Not the live support, but the support that we've prepared, which the system detects. And you need to learn how to use these resources. So we teach the lesson, and then we give you some problems. If you don't know how to work the problems, then you can look to see if there is a help video. A help video is where a teacher has talked to a student that was struggling on the same lesson you're struggling with. And then they found out they need some special help, so they made a little help video to help them solve that problem. And they left it there so that if you come along and have the same problem, bam, you've got the help right now. You don't have to wait for the teacher to sign in tomorrow. You don't want to wait till tomorrow. You want it right now, and there it is.
And interestingly, the Acellus computer system is monitoring every student in every lesson. If you get to a lesson, you've been doing real good, real good, you get to a lesson where you just don't get it and you can't work the problems, and if there's no help video, Acellus sets off the alarm to the teachers and said, okay, this lesson is giving one of our favorite Acellus students difficulty. <laughs> Fix it. And so that's how we choose which help videos to add. Now we got thousands and thousands of them, but we're gonna film thousands and thousands more. When we tried, by distance learning, to tutor students over the internet with chat, with video chat, with texting, we found out it's not effective. We spent a lot of time, we spend a lot of the students' time, but we don't get them going forward to, to graduate. So we do have the ability in Acellus to be able to have a live visit with our students and a teacher, but we don't try in that live visit to do tutoring, to teach you how to do it, because it just doesn't work very well. We can't write on the blackboard and have you see it and ask questions. So instead, in those live sessions, we try to find out what problem you're having. And so one of the real common things that happens is if you say, I, I just, I don't get it, I can't understand this problem. And they try to understand what you're missing. And they say, okay, listen, why don't you work on another class today, come back tomorrow, I'm gonna make a help video for you, and they'll be waiting. So you come back the next day, and there's a help video where you can really see what the teacher's doing and they explain it and now you can move forward. On the other hand, the student that has the same problem tomorrow has that help video already there. And if they knew that you were the one that inspired the teacher to film it, they would say thank you. Okay, does that make sense? Now, if, if you're just getting stuck and you're getting stuck and getting stuck, we've got you at the wrong level or in the wrong mode or in the wrong class. And we have all these tools that help us know what to do. What you need to understand is, you've gotta show us where you're at. And how do you show us where you're at? You try, and you do your best. You don't just guess, you don't play around, you really, really try. And it's keeping track of exactly how long you're spending on every problem. And if a bunch of you struggle on the same problem, we say, you know what, there's gotta be something wrong with that problem. <laughs> and we actually call it a bad problem, and we rate them. This is the worst problem in this course. Let's fix it first. And Acellus, as soon as the teacher signing, it, says, fix this problem, fix that one, fix it. Does it make sense? Sometimes a lecture doesn't seem to teach the concepts well. And Acellus says, this lecture is not up to our standards, so we fix it. So you need to know all this is going on. But if you're not getting it, something's wrong. And usually we can fix it with a help video if you're almost on the right level, or you are on the right level, but you're just struggling with one concept. But sometimes we put you in a special mode, an analysis mode. Sometimes, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with some of you, but some of you just zoom through it like you're not even being challenged. So we even have an accelerated mode. And more and more students are, are getting in that mode. It's fascinating. A lot of students, when they start out, struggle but after they've been doing a cellus for a year or two, they zoom. And so that's why we created this accelerated mode 
which we're now developing into an honors mode for Cellus Academy. And you know, when you uh, graduate from the honors mode, we put that on your diploma, or excuse me, on your transcript, it's gonna impress some college or some job where you decide to go to work. So I, I hope that gives you kind of an introductory picture. Now there's one other thing you ought to know about, and that is a Cellus is a learning accelerator. That means you can learn the same material faster. And we have gone to a lot of effort developing tools so that you can. And some parents say, hey, my student went in here and has gone through geometry in no time flat. I mean, is there any rigor? What's going on? Yes, learning on a Cellus takes less time. And that's not a bad thing. Learning fast means you're learning effectively. And we know it's not bad because in our public schools, at the end of the year, they give them standardized tests to see how they compare to everybody else, and they're scoring very high. So they're getting it. But some of the schools say, well, what are we going to do? They're going to be all done before the end of the school year. And we just say, give them more classes. Um, I remember uh, upsetting a wonderful uh, principal at an elementary school. They just said, you know, these kids are, are getting through so fast that they're going to be all done with all the material and, and the year still got another half. And I said, that's great. Just put them in next year's material. We can't do that. Why? Well, that's next year's material. And you know, uh, the way that system works, that is kind of a problem. So I said, well, put them in some of the enriching courses then. But for the students in the Cellus Academy, we let them go. We just let them go. If you can get through a second grade, and you've mastered the material, you've got good grades, and we'll put you right in the third grade courses, and away you go. It's amazing how many of our young students are reading at a third grade level in first grade. Reading is one of the skills that is going to be very, very important to you almost no matter what career you go into. And Acellus really teaches reading. It's really, really important to be able to read and write and these other things. So anyway, that gives you a little bit of a, a background. Now, I want to uh, show you a couple things. That's, that's a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of good information. Yeah, they, yeah it's a like lot of it. talking, but I <laughs> hope it'll kind of orient you a little bit. Now, I've got some more fun things to show you. Okay. The next thing I want to point out is a new tool that we just had for a few months that we've been working on for a couple years. We call it a Cellus Writing Tutor. And writing to tutor is, is so new that we don't have as much data as we want to, but already we're seeing incredible results. This is a tool so that you can write in Acellus and learn how to write. Before we had this, a few months ago, you'd write up a lesson, you'd send it in, one of the teachers go through and grade it and give you a score, but it was really hard to teach you what you got wrong because you know, your teacher's there and you're here. With writing tutor, you can go ahead and write it, and then when you're ready to submit it, it pops up and shows you all your errors. I'd like to show you a short video that tells about writing tutor. And please look at this. Writing tutor is going to be really an important tool for all of us. Teaching effective writing is one of the toughest challenges in distance learning. The best way to teach writing is to get students to write and write and write. But one-on-one -on -one coaching and grading requires intensive teacher supervision. 
not always practical. Effective online courses need to deliver an interactive experience rivaling what a teacher can provide one-on-one -on -one in person. Introducing the Acellus Writing Tutor. It's designed to tutor students as they write, giving immediate feedback on grammar, spelling, vocabulary, even writing style. Real-time guidance helps students make their writing the best it can be before they turn it in. Here's how it works. Picture a sixth grader named Sophia. When Sophia finishes her teacher's writing assignment, she submits it to Writing Tutor, which first checks to make sure it meets requirements such as word count and use of key words. If the assignment passes muster, learning begins immediately. The Writing Tutor flags Sophia's spelling, grammar, and punctuation errors. She needs to correct all flagged errors before the system accepts her assignment. The spell Okay, now I want to I pause here for a minute. Do you see what's happening? So you write all your stuff. You're probably going to spell some words wrong if you're, if you're like me. I, I know lots of ways to spell every word. You know, <laughs> Mark Twain used to say he feels sorry for anybody that only knows one way to spell a word. And I know lots of ways to spell every word. But as you're writing these things in, you spell to the best of your knowledge of spelling, but then when you submit it, it's gonna show you every word you misspelled. And it's got a little dictionary there so you can go find how to spell it correctly and fix the word. I do not know any better way to learn to be a good speller than to get a chance to fix the words that you don't know. It really, really helps. Okay, let's keep going. ...is not the ordinary type that highlights misspelled words and lets students fix them with a click. Instead, Sophia has to look up the misspelled word in a built-in dictionary and then type the correct spelling herself, reinforcing the learning. Similarly, when she mouses over highlighted grammar and punctuation errors, the tutor provides tips so she can correct her own writing. Once the text is completely error-free, Sophia once again submits her assignment. This okay, so this is going to get into grammar and things. Some of you younger students are going to have a little harder time than a little older. In fact, we pulled writing tutor back in, in first grade because some of the students were not quite ready for it, but we have it already in second grade. When you start out, if it's a little bit hard, just keep working with it. We've made it simpler for these younger students and we'll keep doing that. But as you start practicing writing, you'll be amazed how well this will will help you keep going. A numeric score pops up based on her grade level and the complexity of the writing. Okay, so you see, you get your grade as soon as you get all the errors corrected, you get your grade. This, this student's got 87%, that's great. But is all the learning done? The grade is determined by how sophisticated your writing is. We can't give you a low grade because you misspelled words because you fixed them all. All of the mistakes we can pick up, we're going to fix before we grade it. So I'll give you the highest score possible, but 87 means you're writing below your grade level. If you're in third grade and you're writing at a second grade level, then it tells you you're not quite at grade level. Wouldn't it be great if you could be at grade level? Watch. Sophia isn't satisfied with her 87. Clicking on the boost score button, she sees how many points she was docked for vocabulary, style, and structure. Clicking vocabulary shows her ideas from the academic word list and commonly used words she could replace. Okay, so you can see you don't have to accept 
And if you'll go in there on boost score and start raising it up, you're going to see that your writing gets better and better and better and better. And you can even get over 100% writing above your grade level. Being a good writer is a neat thing. You can communicate with people. You can write contracts, proposals, all sorts of things. Writing is a really, really important ability to have. You're going to need it all your life. So learn how to write well, okay? So that's enough about writing tutor, but it's, it's one of the real neat things in Acellus. Again, at first, it may be a little bit intimidating, all the newness to you, but get in there and just do it and do it, and it'll help you go through. And over just a short period of time, you'll be amazed how good you can write, and I think that's really important. Now, <clears throat> I, I've got another subject here I want to take you into, and... And this is going to be, for me, kind of a fun part of tonight. Um, years ago, uh, schools started demanding, because there were legal mandates by laws, they started demanding courses that would teach social and emotional lessons. Social and emotional. That, that's about how to get along with friends, how to make friends, how to keep friends and emotional, how to deal with bad days. It would be really, really nice if it never rained, other than we couldn't grow any food. <laughs> but there are bright, sunny days, and then there are stormy days in our lives. Everybody has both. And one of the things we've got to learn how to do is survive, even on those discouraging days in our lives. And so... Many, many, many schools wanted to have a lesson on social-emotional training. So I went out and started looking for a teacher for that course. And I found a lot of teachers that had backgrounds in counseling, in psychology, etc. <clears throat> but as we, we looked at the different screen tests of these wonderful educators, we couldn't find one that we thought would be able to reach out and help a student to be able to get things in order in their lives. And we needed that. And so I got an idea. It was a bold idea. I thought, you know, Dr. Peget, electrical engineer, she's not a psychologist, but I have seen her help so many people get their lives turned around when they're going through a crisis or something. So I went to her and I said, would you do me one of the biggest favors I will ever ask? I promise. <laughs> she says, sure, what? <laughs> okay, can I get that in writing? <laughs> uh, she went white when I told her what I wanted her to do. She said, whoa. And I said, whoa. And I said, we'll get you help. We will get you the best books. We will get you the best advisors. We'll get you people that are train certified counselors, we'll get people with training in psychology, and they will all help you be able to teach this material in a way that, you know, fits the standards. And we had a lot more conversation that I don't think we should talk about here. But she finally said, yes, I'll give it a try. And she did. Now, like I say, the students kind of tell us how they feel about teachers. And hers has been really interesting. A lot of parents have told me about their students when they 
They looked at these social emotional lessons taught by Dr. Monet, and they asked him, so did, did you enjoy that lesson? And quite often the kids say, not really. And yet, they watch them and watch them and watch them. We have kids that have taken the same class five, six times. And the parents have asked them, well, why do you keep taking them if you don't like it? And so, well, I feel better when I watch them. And that's interesting. Dr. Monet is a person that knows how to go right in and talk to you about subjects that are hard to talk about. She's someone that can go in and say, okay, so do you have a friend? Are you guys not getting along? Do you ever think what you could do to make it better? She gets in and talks about these really difficult things. And did you like that course? <laughs> Was it helpful to you? Yeah. Uh, some of you are going to want to to know a little bit about this course, and some of you will actually want to take it. I want to show you a little clip, just three minutes of a sample lesson, and I tried to choose one that shows you that she deals with real problems. And uh, here it goes, hang on, good luck. Emotional trench, the emotional trench which you dig. Um, I was thinking about this the other day and I was watching somebody and realizing that they were digging themselves into a hole. And they were doing that by feeling sorry for themselves. Um, feeling sorry for ourselves is so easy to do. <laughs> it is embarrassingly easy to do. All it takes is one thought. And then it's like that thought is a huge, gigantic, powerful magnet. And all these other thoughts seem to go with it. Um, as soon as you start down the road of feeling sorry for yourself, you can find so many reasons to think that you don't have a good enough, think that you um, are left out, think that you don't have, think you, you, you. It's all about you and uh, your emotions, your feelings, you weren't treated right. And I was watching this experience and this person was really upset, <laughs> really upset over the most petty thing. Um, but they weren't being respected and their opinion didn't matter. And they started digging this hole and I could imagine it. And I realized that they're just digging a hole. But then they dug the hole and then they started going back and forth <laughs> with all the thoughts, um, reiterating the fact that they didn't have their feelings um, respected. And I all of a sudden realized they're digging a trench. They are digging an emotional trench. And when you dig a trench, you go through and you pull up all the dirt. And usually it's a pretty deep um, level. And um, you dig a trench for a lot of pipes, a lot of sewer, a lot of um, sprinkler systems, things like that. And inevitably that trench um, quite often is going to be covered up. You dig an emotional trench and you let all of those feelings sit there and then you cover them up. They're just called buried feelings. They are not dealt with. Um, and it's a dangerous thing because those feelings start to fester inside of us. The thoughts, the negative attitudes towards people, um, 
Sometimes we have some people that we just have a lot of negative feelings towards. We really don't like them. And sometimes it's based on something they said, and sometimes it's just based on our own opinion. Um, goodness, really? And then we get in that mode of, well, this happened to me, and it's all about you. So when you start digging that trench, you dig it pretty deep and you start moving, 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 and you get to the point where it's almost impossible to get out by yourself. Okay, I tried to, to pick a lesson that I didn't think was necessarily entertaining, but it shows you we, we do get into situations like this, and then we get negative attitudes, and then we start being grumpy, and then people start being grumpy back, and we get in the clout, and Dr. Monet's job is just to make everybody escape from these kinds of traps in our lives. I have had so many parents tell me that these lessons have given them an opportunity to get hooked in with their children and to discuss things they would have never discussed. And it's really neat. So this is something that's important. Your emotional and social well-being is something you need to develop to really have a happy, wonderful life. And I'm very grateful, in mm -hmm. fact, on behalf of students, <laughs> I brought you some flowers to tell you how grateful we are that you taught this course. Wow. But it, it is something you should check <laughs> out. You. And when you get into it, it's not there to entertain you, no, but it will wake you up and it will get you on path in, in a lot of these areas. And, you know, we really need to learn to be nice to each other. Bullying is something we should just push out of our society. We should learn to disagree with respect and to treat everybody the way we want to be treated. And that's a lot of what she does in this wonderful course. Uh, I've never seen a course in a cellist that has been watched so many times by the same students. And they just do it and do it and do it and we've had to even figure out ways to be able to let them watch it over and over again because they said it's really helped them. And congratulations and thank you for doing it. Thank it's amazing. You. So now I'm trying to get her to do the third course. <laughs> good luck, Greg. Right? Okay, yeah. good. It's like, wow. All right, well, I want to show you some more neat stuff. Um, some of our, our students really like um, our math teacher, Mark Rogers. Mark Rogers... Uh, teaches some really interesting courses. And we're trying to make these courses better and better. He's filmed a lot of times, a lot of courses, and, and every time we say, okay, that was good. Next time, how can we make it better? I'd like to show you uh, a course that he filmed recently on multiplying. This is elementary math. How do you multiply? Here it comes. <laughs> that, that, that. I skipped. <laughs> hey there, students. It's me, Multiply Man. Now, I've got lots of special powers. For example, I'm super strong. Another car. I can also fly. 
Most impressive of all, I can multiply. <laughs> now, with multiplication, do you want to learn how I do it? Well, come with me. We'll start with the three. Three times one equals three. <laughs> three times two equals six. <laughs> three times. Okay, you got it? What do you think? That's kind of fun, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we, we thought that was pretty awesome, but, you know, we still had room to grow. So I'd like to show you now this video also by Mark Rogers on metric units of mass. Check this out. Okay. Oh, this is so magically exciting, students. I talked to the wizard back there and this metric wizard gave me two different potions. Now she said, if I drink this magic potion, I will shrink to a smaller unit in the metric system. But if I drink the blue potion, I'll grow to a larger unit in the metric system. I can't wait to test it out. Let's try the small one first. <laughs> Nothing's happening. <laughs> the world is so big. I think it worked, because I'm so small. I'm the size of a millimeter. Millimeters are itsy bitsy. Just like me now. And, oh, look at this rope. Maybe a, wait, it looks like a rope. Actually, this is a human hair, which can be measured in millimeters. Look at it, I mean, it's huge, this human hair. We shed hairs all the time, and I've never thought that you can calculate their width, how wide they are, in millimeters. What do you think of my new hairdo? <laughs> well, my millimeter hairdo. Now, what I think I'm gonna do is grow a little bit because I don't wanna get squished. So I'm gonna try and go to the next larger unit, the centimeter. Okay, do I need the blue or the orange? I don't wanna get spot. I think it's the blue. <laughs> Let's hope this works. Now, centimeters are used to measure larger objects, a little bit larger, like this pencil over here. <laughs> it looks gigantic. And then this coin over here. So I could use centimeters to measure those objects. Wow. But a, a centimeter is still bigger than a millimeter. The millimeter, man, that hair looks gigantic. Well, 
I think I've had enough fun. So I'm going to try and get back to my normal size. Uh-oh. I think I drank too much. <laughs> Maybe I did it. Oh, look at these cute, these cute little toy planes all around me. Oh, maybe I'll pick one. Uh-oh. I think I got too big. I'm the size of a kilometer. Oh, that's a thousand meters. That's too big. Like, I don't want to crush anybody. I feel like a giant. Wow. It sure is amazing, though, to be this big. But I miss my family. And if I were to pick up my kids right now, they'd fit in the size of my hand, the palm of my hand. I wouldn't want to crush them. Okay, let me see if I can get back to my normal size. This is the right one, right? There, students. Right. So, what do you think? You know, it's pretty good, isn't it? There's a lot of good stuff there. All right, we're kind of running out of time here, but uh, these concepts can be seen this way and, and students are staying very, very, very engaged. And so every year we try to move our lessons up to a higher level. Uh, one of the things that students have a hard time understanding is in the coordinate system, the X and the Y axis. I, I'd like to show you this one too. It's about ordered pairs. Texas Mountain. On belay. Belay is on. Climbing. Climb on. That's my spotter on Y-axis Mountain, just in case I slip. Boom, boom, boom. He'd be there to catch me. You see, Y-axis Mountain is treacherous. The reason is because it's straight vertical. The y-axis on the coordinate plane is the one that goes up and down, pure vertical. If we were on the x-axis, it'd be way easier because it's the horizontal one. Okay, I think I'm ready to take the next one. Okay, just gotta keep going. I know I have a spotter, I'll be safe. Let's go graph some ordered pairs on the coordinate plane. I'll be off y-axis mountain soon. Hey students. All right, there you go. I'll bet a lot of students will remember what the y-axis is and it goes up and down and the x-axis is left and right. So, a lot of effort is being put in, especially the lessons that students struggle to understand. And so I want you students to realize 
that Acellus is a learning system, well, we want it to be the best there is. We want to absolutely the, be the best learning system on the planet. And a lot of schools are jumping to it because when they've used it, students really, really did well. I like to say that uh, uh, we can do better because we can. In fact, I tell the team, this is great, we're on level three, but the students are looking for level four next year. So we're trying to figure out the things we can do. The thing I need now is I need you to do your part to get in and try and try and try harder. And keep working with the system. Keep trying. Let us get data, and it will adjust. But you have to give us enough data so we know how to use it. So what do you want to say? We're out of time. <laughs> but I just think that uh, uh, the reports that we've been receiving about the effectiveness of these courses are very, very encouraging. I'm looking for ideas, though, to make them better. If anybody has ideas on how to prove this, please let me know. There's a way you can message us on this site. Next week, I'm planning to have it so you can sign in. And so we can keep a record of your attendance that way. And I really hope you will send us messages of your ideas. I want to know what doesn't work. I want to know what's too hard. I want to know what you're not getting. And I also want to know what you love, what, what is really helping you to succeed. Till then, let's have a good first week of school. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you all for joining us tonight. We'll see you next week. Have a great night.